David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. Once again, David is uh, endeavoring in his practice, whether it's either law or golf, I'm not quite sure. But we have a couple of great interviews with two pro football Hall of Famers. The second one will be Curly Culp, who is a 2013 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But up first, a man who went into the Hall of Fame in Canton in 1988, first tight end ever to be inducted. Bears fans just might remember this man, Mike Ditka. So you said you went to Pitt, you had many offers. So did you even think about going to Notre Dame back then? I did, yeah. I visited Notre Dame. I visited a lot of places. But really, I wanted to be a dentist. And, and, and my, that's, that's what my high school coach wanted me to be, and that's why I went to Pitt. They had one of the best down schools in the country. They had a great football program. They play all the Michigan States and Syracuse and Penn States and, and Notre Dame's, and they played them all. So Miami. Uh, so we we, we uh, had a national schedule that we played them all the best teams, Army, Navy. But uh, that's why I went. Really, that, that's the main reason. So you inflicted pain not only as a football player. You wanted to inflict pain after you retired as a dentist. What? I couldn't hear you. You you inflicted pain on your opponents on the football field. You also wanted to oh, put them in pain as a dentist. Uh, I used Novocaine. <laughs> <laughs> now, you made your mark on defense because with that offense, in a season you caught what some guys nowadays catch in a game. Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible when you start thinking about it. Uh, my first year in pro football, I caught 57 passes. For 1,200 yards or something, some crazy. And so, you know, it's crazy. And what I have, uh, 12 touchdowns. I don't know what it was. It's crazy. So, I mean, and I caught 12 my senior year in college, and I caught 58, I think, my first year in pro football. So that's, pretty, that's a pretty big jump. Did you play in the um, college all-star game at Soldier Field after your senior year? I did, yeah. Who was your coach? Was it Otto Graham or was it someone else at that time? Oh, it's Joe. It was Otto Graham. You're right, exactly. It was Otto Graham. He was uh, he coached a number of the All Star teams in those years, and Don Lavelle. He had a lot. He had a really good staff. Dick Stamper was on it. Uh, who coached for me with the Bears? A lot, a lot of good guys on it. Really, uh, so it, it was really a good staff. They were good people. And who did you play in that game, if you remember? Uh, we played the Eagles. Oh, with Concrete Charlie on the defensive end. Or defensive yeah. uh, middle linebacker. Right, with Charlie. And, uh, I'm not sure, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think the quarterback. I don't remember. I, it, it, I, I think it was still, no, it was uh, Van Rockland. That's what it was. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Was he there? I, it was either him or, or it was, uh, I, I think maybe Sonny was still there at that time. Jurgensen. 
when you went to Pitt, they were coming off of a, a couple of bowl, consecutive bowl appearances. Looked like things were really, the big time was ahead of, you know, Penn State hadn't become the, the power that it would later on. Uh, 1960, I, I think there was expectation that, that the Panthers would have a pretty good season. They ended up 4-3-3, three, and three, but you, you lost by a point at UCLA. You lost by a point at Oklahoma. You beat Notre Dame. You tied the Army. How close were you to having a, a tremendous season? Uh, we tied Syracuse. I mean, uh, it was close. I mean, it really was. You know, we didn't get this. Like I said, and the reason was we really couldn't score a lot of points. <clears throat> we had a good defense. Uh, we played hard on, on special teams, and we ran the football on offense, but we just couldn't score a lot of points. We won a high-scoring offense, so we were going to beat somebody. We were probably going to beat them 7 nothing, uh, or 14-7 or 10-7 or, or something like that, and that's basically what it was. But we, we ended 4-3-3 three, and three that year, I believe. Four wins, three ties, and three losses, and 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 the, the, the losses were by I, I don't know five points or something, not very much. I think one team did. I think Penn State did it. They beat us the last game, uh, thirteen three or something, maybe. So, um, but I, that, that's basically all I remember. But we had a lot of good players. That recruiting class that came into Pitt when I was a freshman was one of the best recruiting classes ever. That's what they thought. But you're right. We had a different quarterback every year. We never had one quarterback all three years. We had Toxic. We had Kilmer, um, Caledon, Bill Caledon. We had we had a lot of different guys. Ed Schrockman. So, it, you know, it, it, it's hard. There was not a whole lot of stability at that position. But they did put a lot of emphasis on that position, really, because all we did was hand the ball off. When the Where did you learn from? What did you learn from your coach, John Nicolosin? Well, I learned a lot. I, I learned a little bit more from Ernie Heppley. And Ernie was my position coach, and he was a, a heck of a guy and a heck of a coach. And uh, he, one thing he told me in the beginning, he said, you want to be a, a good, a great college football player, he said, you must make your opponents, your opponents, all opponent team every week. You must make the guy you play against respect you. If you can make his all point team, you will be great. And that's what he told me. I so you know, I, I was very physical when I played and, and uh it worked. So you get drafted by the Bears in the Houston Oilers of the AFL. Houston was coming off a championship season. Did you think to yourself, maybe I should sign with Houston because they're more of a passing team than the Bears? No. I went down to Houston and uh uh, they offered me a lot of money at, at that time. I mean, it was it was a lot of money at that time. Uh, and uh, and, and here's what it came down to. I, I said, well, and, and I, I had great respect for George Blanton and the Houston Oilers and the whole AFL. But I said, if I'm going to play football, I'm going to play in the best league there is. I'm going to play in the National Football League. And then and I did. That was my decision. And I, I went to the Bears. I'll never have any regrets about it ever. Were you aware that the Bears were going to draft you? In those days, you really didn't know anything. And I'll tell you why. The teams that really talked to me the most, uh, talked to the uh, 49ers a lot. I talked to the Redskins a lot. And I talked to one other team. I, can't remember. I talked to Pittsburgh. And uh, if I would have played for any of those teams, I would have been a defensive linebacker. No question about it. So when the Bears drafted me and I went to Chicago... And he told me I was going to play tight end, and, you know, you have to say, what the heck's a tight end? Because most people didn't know 
and they never used him really to catch the football. But uh, because of a guy named Luke Johnson, so he was a position coach for me with the Bears at, at George Hallis, they really created that position, and they got me to play it, and they, they, a lot of the plays were set up for me. Really, they were. We had a great outside receiver in Johnny Morris. Uh, myself, we had great running back in, in the beginning in uh, uh, Willie Gallimore. We had another wide receiver, John Farrington. So we had some good players. We really did. And uh, you know, it, we, were, we were pretty darn good football. But don't forget, in the early 60s, the Packers were really good. But in 63, we broke through and we won the championship, and that, that was a big deal. But, uh, you know, playing against, uh, I mean, I feel like I played against some of the, the, the greatest teams in, in NFL football and, and the Packers in the 60s. And you had a guy in your team, Rick Caceres. They said he was the toughest guy around yet. Uh, Paul Horner he said he had to pull him off someone on Rust Street because he basically destroyed the guy's face. Well, yeah, Rick Caceres was pretty special. I mean, I, I, I've never seen. Uh, saw him play a game with a broken bone in his ankle, and uh, they taped it up. I don't know how he did. He played. And he played really good. Uh, he was a great. He was a fullback. Nothing flashy. He would knock you right on your back. Uh, he could run. He could catch. Uh, just a great football player. Uh, uh, yeah. So we had Gallimore and Casares in the same backfield. We had Billy Wade at quarterback, uh, and Bill Wade played great quarterback for us in those days. I mean, uh, he had been with the Rams earlier, but he came to us and. He played great. He was a great guy. So, you know, I look at our defense. We had Doug Atkins. We had uh, uh, Stan Jones. We had uh, Bill Jules. They're all in the Hall of Fame. We, we had Richie Pettibone. Uh, we had uh, Larry Morris, Joe Fortunato. All these guys couldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Bob Kilcombe, uh, Fat Fred Williams. We loved him. And uh, we just had a, we had a great group of guys. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I can't remember them all now because I'm getting old. But, uh, J.C. Caroline played for us at that time. He was a cornerback. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of Benny's last name, but he came and played quarterback, cornerback for us. He was really good. So we had Bill Brown was drafted number two. I was drafted number one by the Bears. He played with the Bears before he went to Minnesota. And he was a fullback. And the reason he didn't play was because of Caceres. But Bill Brown was a great football player and a great, a great uh, professional football player for the Vikings. Heading into that 63 season, did you think it was going to be as special as it proved to be? Well, you never know. You know, in the present, you don't really understand that. Uh, you think there's going to be a lot more, but there weren't. You know, a lot of other teams stepped up and became very good, right? You know, the Colts especially, there were other teams too. So it broadened the bounds. Uh, but, you know, it's... You're always caught in the moment. I mean, you don't look to the future, but you always say, "Well, there'll be a lot more good years." But there are. You know, the same when I coach. You know, you, when you, when you hit that uh, that magic moment, you know, you think, "Well, there's going to be more of these." Well, there's no guarantees about anything. So, you know, the fact that they're, you know, we won one, that was great. But people, we had the critics that say, "Well, we should have won more than one," and we probably should have, but we didn't. You know, we weren't the Steelers of the 70s. We weren't the Cowboys, uh, you know, or the Giants or other teams that had good runs or, or the Packers of the 60s. So, but we were a good football team. We won a lot of football games, but you only won one championship. And, and, and like to judge on your championships, not your wins. And you beat the Giants, which was great for Chicago. I mean, whenever the Giants lose, there's always an excuse. Gifford in 58 said that it was a bad mark. Tittle said that the field was bad, and that's why you guys won. They always had to make excuses, those New Yorkers. 
I was a bad field, but you know both teams play on it. There's no question about that. Were the Giants a good team? Yeah. Were they a better team than us? They were a better offensive team than we were, but they weren't a better defensive team. And defense wins football games. And you're right. The field was, uh, it was, uh, well, it just wasn't good. I mean, none of the fields were good at that time of the year. Anyways, the grass was all gone. You were playing on dirt. In this case, we were playing on mud and dirt. So it, it wasn't very good. That's true. But uh, it was a very good football game. Uh, you know, I think that year our offense average scored 14 points a game, and we won the championship. And our defense average gave it up 10 points a game. And the score of that game was 14-10. Now, that's pretty crazy, but that's basically what it was. And we might have scored maybe a few more points than 14, maybe 17. But that game was very close, very hard played. It came down to our defense making a couple big plays, interceptions, knocked it all out of the game. You know, there were a lot of, a lot of interesting things that happened in that game. Can you believe it's 50 years since then? Do I? Yeah. Yeah, I wake up every morning and I know it's 50 years since then. <laughs> what are you guys doing for the 50th anniversary? I don't think they'll do a whole lot. I really don't. I mean, I, I was with the Bears uh, people a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how many guys are around. I know Doug's around. I think a lot of the guys have passed. I really have. I'm not sure how many are around, but... Uh, I, I doubt that you go back 50 years a little far. They'll, they'll probably do something for the uh, 85 team when it comes up in 2015, but uh, that'll be 30 years. But uh, I don't think that uh, there's too many people are going to get caught up in what happened back in 1963. Every once in a while, I run into some people, hey, I remember that game, Wrigley Field, when you, you know, carried a guy and this and that. Well, yeah, there are a few alive, but most of them are gone. Well, some of us are old enough to remember it. What, what was playing for George Hallis like? Well, you got to understand it. George Hallis, uh, Rooney, Mara, um, uh, Marshall, these guys started the National Football League. They persevered. They loved Peter to pay Paul. They didn't make any money in those days, guys. It was, uh, it was a love. And then they developed it and created a great, great sport. Uh, he persevered through a lot of things. He had another business on the side just like Rooney did. And, uh, you know, George was old school. He was tough. Uh, you know, he, uh, he was tight. And, and he should have been. I mean, that's just the way it is. It was his money. He made it. He had a right to spend it the way he wanted to. He wasn't a guy that was going to throw it around, uh, needlessly on, uh, overpaying players. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, I, I got along with him in the beginning. I really did. And then, uh, you know, after a while, you know, he, that part of my action shit me out to Philadelphia, and that was okay. I mean, it's okay. I, I have no apologies for anything that we did in Chicago. I enjoyed all those years. And I played as hard as I could for the Bears, and uh, my life changed when I went to Dallas. So I'll be honest with you, when I met Tom Landry, and uh, really resurrected my career, resurrected my life as a person, and uh, I, I really, I learned to play the game the right way in Dallas because I played as a team. As a member of the team, there was no ego involved in Dallas. I was just trying to help the football team win games. You know, and anybody that says there's no, no ego involved in sports is lying because we all have one. But I can honestly say in Dallas that uh, it all changed because of Coach Landry. And uh, spent four wonderful years there and then spent 10 years there as an assistant coach under him. And uh, that's where I really learned the game of football. I heard that Coach Landry, the closest he came to swearing was – one time he fell on his face and he got up and he goes, gosh darn it. Well, that's not true. 
<laughs> I've heard him say some, but you know, but he was he was a Christian. I think him and him and uh, Lombardi were so similar. They were three two people who were driven by three things: faith, family, football. And they were both the same. They both came from the Giants, but they they were both the uh, very devout men, religious men, strong believers, great family people. I mean, tremendously. Their families are so important. And then football. That's basically their life. They didn't have a whole lot of other things going on outside of that. And, and that's why they were good at what they did. But no, Tom, uh, and Tom would never swear, but I did hear one slip out when I was an assistant coach. Now, when you were with the Cowboys, Craig Morton basically was a starting quarterback. Roger Staubach, you know, is the backup. Should Staubach have been starting ahead of Craig Morton, do you think? Well, he was. He, he did, eventually. I think Craig was a very good quarterback. I think he did a lot of good things for the Cowboys. Uh, Roger Staubach was a winner, period. Period. He was a leader. He was a winner. He was a guy that should have been a quarterback, and he finally did get the quarterback, and we finally did win the Super Bowl. That's just that's as simple as I can put it. Uh, it was uh, when it comes to leadership and the guy you want to go into battle with, you want to go in with Roger. And Craig Martin was a great guy and a good athlete. And I, I loved him. He was a friend. I'm just telling you when you talk about what a quarterback is, essential things. I don't care about the throwing motion. I don't want to hear. That. I don't want to hear about your leadership. I want to hear how you play under pressure. Uh, you know, you, the, the, the respect you get from your teammates by the way you play the game. Saw back had all that. And you play with two of the best defensive linemen of all time. You mentioned one in Doug Atkins and also Bob Lilly. Bob Lilly, there's no question about it. And great linebackers in Dallas. We had uh, Lilly and uh, Edwards and, and uh, Chuck Holley. We had some good line. We had good people, Cornell Green, Mel Renfro. We had a lot of, a lot of good Charlie um, uh I think I remember my name, Charlie. Well, Charlie, Charlie Waters. Waters, Waters, yeah, Charlie Waters and Cliff Harrison. And uh, Walt Harrison, what an underrated football player with Calvin Hill there. You know, we had a lot of good football players, guys. I mean, I, I, I just can't, uh, you know, I, I, I alternated one year with uh, Edison, and then I, I played a lot with a kid named Bill Truex out of LSU. And, and uh, you know, we had the last runs who played outside for it. We had a lot of good guys. We really did. And, uh, and we had a great coach, so I wonder we won. But we, again, it, we, we were good offense at that time, but our defense carried us. There's no question about it. I still can't believe the Giants, when they didn't hire Tom Landry or Vince Lombardi as their coach, and they went with Ali Sherman there, it made no sense. And I heard that Lombardi wasn't hired because they didn't think New York was ready for an Italian coach. <laughs> well, uh, that's tough. I mean, it was uh, New York's loss and Green Bay's win, uh, game, so... You know, I think history, uh, it was meant to be. Lombardi was meant to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, the smallest uh, NFL city in the country, and uh, and win, and win big. And he, and he turned, uh, he uh, made, made fans from all over the country. I go every, I still go everywhere, people, you know, I'm still a Packer fan, and, that, and I, I understand that. You are credited with revolutionizing the position of tight end. At the time, did you realize that was happening, that all of a sudden they're throwing to me? Guys, I, I didn't revolutionize anything. All I did was play the position. They threw me the football. I was I, I really loved to run with the football after I caught it. I, I had a lot of success doing that. I run up over people, stiff arm. I didn't care. I was having fun. But I, I, it wasn't. I didn't revolutionize. No, they just started throwing the ball to the tank end at that time. 
And I happened to be the guy in Chicago they were throwing it to. So, and after that, the tight end became a very integral part of the uh, every offense because people were doubling the outside guy, and and uh, you know that would end up you would end up with a linebacker on you basically as a tight end. If you couldn't be the linebacker, you shouldn't have been playing. How did you end up getting the Bears job? I wrote a letter to Mr. Hallis in 1978, and we and told him I'd love him to come back and. Uh, and the coach the Bears, I said, I, you know, I wasn't ready. I said, one day I think I will be ready. I like that opportunity. And 1982, uh, Tom Landry called me in and he said, Mike, he said, uh, Coach Alice wants to see you. I said, what about? He said, I think he wants to hire you coach the Bears. And that's, that's what really happened. And, uh, and I said, what do you think to Tom? And Tom said, I think you're ready. And that's basically, that was all we said. And he said, good luck. Well, you had put in nine seasons under Landry. So you had a pretty yeah, good mentor, right? yeah. a pretty good mentor right there. What, what was it yeah. that made Landry after you retired? He went right into coaching as an assistant for him. What, what made him choose you right off the bat? I have no idea. <clears throat> I was in a business in Dallas with some guys, and we were making pretty good money. We had a couple of nightclubs, and we opened one in Houston, and one in Shreveport, and one in. Uh, Oklahoma City and one of Dallas, and it was at nightclubs, and no question what it was. I'm not kidding you, you know, it was meeting, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, but we were making good money at that time, and we were pretty successful, and that's what I thought I was going to end up doing. I, I was in this place when he called me, and in this uh, place in Dallas, and he called me, he said, okay, will you come in and talk to me? And I said, sure, coach. And so I drove up there, up to the office, talked to him. He said, have you ever thought about coaching? And I, and I have to be honest with you, I never thought about coaching, ever. Not for one minute, not for one second. I never thought about it. And he says, well, he said, I think you'd make a good coach. I'd like to hire you to coach the special teams and the receivers. And I said, oh, boy. Now, i got to make a decision, you know, and give up all this, whatever you call life it was. And, uh, you know, and, and it didn't take me long to make the decision, though. Mm-hmm. And I made that decision, and I went to work for, the, the, the I think, the greatest man I've ever known. I really do. Uh and uh, it was the best decision I've ever made. I'm really, uh, I'm so, uh, I'm so fortunate to be have been in that position and be able to meet somebody like that and then do something like that. So you were Coach Halas's last hire as a coach right before he died, and his last draft pick was Jim McMahon. I heard a story that when he saw McMahon the first time in practice, he just shook his head and said, "I spent all that money on this guy." Uh, he did. <laughs> Actually, when we were when we were drafting him, uh, he said, "Why do you want to draft him?" And I said, "Because he's he's a, he's a he's a good leader. He's a great quarterback. He's smart. He knows what he's." He said, "He's got no arm." He said, "He's small. You know, he can't see out of one eye." I mean, I'm telling you, he said all this. And I said, "Coach, I still want him." He said, "Okay, you want him? We'll draft him." And we drafted him. And and Jim, listen, what do you like, Jim McMahon? You know, Jim McMahon was the best thing we did at that time for the quarterback position. He played the position with courage, and he played the position with brains, and he was the leader of our offense. So that's as simple as I can put it. Now, at that time, uh, Jim Finks had been the general manager. He left. Jerry Venisi comes in. But Jerry had been like the uh, the treasurer. Did you wonder what this guy know about football? Well, Jerry Venisi and myself and Bill Tobin, we worked together. Bill Tobin was our director of player personnel. Jerry was our general manager. I was a coach. And we worked together. And we, and we, we built what we, we drafted and put in place what we thought we needed for that football team to make it successful. And I'm very proud of that. I love Jerry Venisi. 
Uh, did he have the football background? Did, did Frank said no. Was he a football man? Yes. And Alice knew that. That's why he hired him. That 85 season when you went 15-1 and one and lost to Miami, did you think in that season that you guys were undefeatable other than that Miami game? Well, you know, you never think that. You play every game one at a time. You don't worry about all that stuff. You just play them one at a time. Uh, we played Miami. We got, beat, we got beat by our team. We got beat by our coach at night. No question about it. But we learned from it. You know, we could have fallen apart, but we learned. We learned that we had to do certain things a certain way. And uh, we went down there with a pretty cocky attitude when we were down in Miami, and they just missed us, period. So, but that, that caused us to refocus. And uh, as a result of that, I think we became a much better football team to finish out the year. And, and the record in the playoffs shows that. We were pretty dominant. Now, when you took over for Neil Armstrong as the Bears coach, Hallis kept in place Buddy Ryan, who thought he should have the job instead of you. How difficult of a transition was that for you? It is, and there was no transition. I couldn't control that. Uh, Buddy, uh, he wanted to keep the defensive staff. I said, fine. I, I hired the offensive staff. Yeah, our defense was, Buddy was a great coach. He, he was great for our defense. Our players loved him. And he was the reason we had a great defense. I wasn't. It was Buddy. So, I mean, I'm not going to blow any smoke at anybody. But there was some animosity. But I think uh, I think a lot of that was a little over. Overstated. I, I really don't think there was a, there was none on my part. I know that. So, but any anyways, uh, when we won, we won, you know. And then I knew when we won that Buddy was going to leave. I knew that because he and he should have had a chance to have a head, head job, and he did. And uh, you know, the Bears miss him. Heck yes, they miss him because his players really related to him. When Walter Payton didn't score a touch on that Super Bowl, did you realize it at the time, or did it, was it after the game you realized what happened? Well, I know I realized it after the game, not during the game, but uh, it really, uh, it's something I regret, but I don't, you know, Walter Payton was probably the greatest football player I've ever seen. So, <clears throat> and the fact that, you know, I, I said, you know, I scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, he can have mine. And I really mean that because it doesn't mean anything. In the end, the only thing, the only thing that matters is do you win or do you lose? Uh, and, and that's, but, you know, it, it hurt him. Uh, and I really didn't realize that that was my fault because it was my it was an oversight on my part because it would have been very easy to hand him the football just as well as uh, the other guy. Now we've talked to a lot of the Pro Football Hall of Famers and we asked them who, who's the best player they ever saw or played against, and I'd say at least ninety percent say Jim Brown. How, how would you compare Jim Brown to Walter? Well, I, I can't. Uh, I mean, I can I can only compare. Uh, uh, I didn't play with Jim Brown. I played against him. Uh, was he great? Absolutely. Probably as great as anybody. I, I can only deal with what I know. And, and I know that the way Walter was on and off the field, the leadership, the camaraderie he provided for his teammates, the way he treated the fans, the way he treated the media, he was special. Now, I think the whole package is what counts. Uh, was Jim Brown a bigger back? Yeah. Was he a stronger back? No. They had a bigger heart? No. So you know, maybe he did some things better than, than Walter, but I don't know what they would have been. And, uh, you know, I've already said that he's the best player ever has. And Sayers was as good as anybody ever played the game. And don't forget, he only played six years and he got hurt. And then, you know, and you, you look, look at the kid that played up here. I mean, my goodness. So there's a lot of great running backs. I don't I, I don't even want to get into all that. But I, I say, in my opinion, I've, I've been around uh, uh, 
uh, some of the greatest ones, and, and uh, I just think, that, you know, Horning, how good was Horning? How good was Taylor? I mean, these guys were great. They were versatile. They did everything. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. The Jim Brown ran with football. Water walked, caught it, ran, everything. So and I'm not knocking anybody. I mean, I have the most utmost respect for Jim Brown. I think he was maybe one of the top three players that ever played the game. But I'm just saying, if you're asking me, I was close to somebody that I thought was the epitome of uh, greatness, and that was Walter. When you went in the Hall of Fame, how did you feel? It doesn't matter how I felt. <laughs> it matters how he felt. It was it was a fitting reward for a great career. That's all the Hall of Fame is. Somebody recognize you and say, hey, you did a good job. We'd like you to come join this group of people who are the, supposed to be the best people who ever played the game. It's a great honor. But, I mean, as far as I was, I, I, it was just it was inevitable he was going to get in. just a matter of when. What about when you went in? Well, you know, and I never paid a lot of this. Uh, you know, I'm very honored to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I have so much respect for the Hall of Fame and what it stands for and the guys in it. But, you know, it wouldn't have changed my career if I wasn't in the Hall of Fame. I only played the game the only way I knew how, and I enjoyed it. Now, some people may not have enjoyed you know, the way I played it. I can't help that. But I played as hard as I could for as long as I could, and, and it's a it's a wonderful reward. Were there better rece- tight end receivers? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, was a better blocker? Yeah, John Cranmer was the best blocking tight end I've ever seen. But I mean, you know, I did both done pretty well. And when we come back, we will have 2013 Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee Curly Culp. You are listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. 